Welcome to the very first episode of Sworn Testimonies, where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This is actually my second time, uh, my second take filming this episode. My therapist told me last year that I talk really fast. She was like, I don't think you take a breath in between your words, and listening to you is exhausting. And I thought she was being dramatic, but I just <laughs> listened to the first version of my podcast. Y'all, I was like, it was exhausting me. I was like, oh, nobody's going to want to listen to this. So I decided to delete it and start over. Was it a waste of time? No. Why wasn't it a waste of time? Because I learned something. Look at that. Mm, learning lessons already in the recording of this podcast. Uh, so who am I? Like, who am I? You may or may not know me. Um, as I mentioned, my name is Kiara. I actually don't know if I mentioned that. My name is Kiara, and I am a retiring entertainment attorney. I graduated from UVA Law School in 2011. No, 2015. I graduated from UVA undergrad in 2011. I was a double who. And over the past four years, it has become very obvious to me that I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't like it. Um, it's, it's not fun to me. It's not creative. I don't get to have honest, vulnerable conversations with people, and I don't get to be creative, and I don't feel like it's what I've called to do. And people are like, well... If that's how you feel, then why did you go to law school? Uh, well, if I knew that at the time, I wouldn't have spent $220,000 on my education. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, but now that I do know that, I know that it's in my own power to make a different decision, to make a different choice. We all have that power, and it's never too late. I'm so thankful for my friends and family and my mother who continue to remind me that I need health insurance and I have a car to pay for and rent that I need to meet. I get it. I have expenses. We all have expenses. But you can make money doing anything in this world. Let's be honest. Like I met someone recently who is a cartoonist who drew a cartoon and sold it to Disney for like a million dollars. I'm not diminishing his uh, experience or his story. I'm not saying that's the norm, but I firmly believe that we were all put on this planet for a reason, right? Our DNA, it's all different. Our fingerprints, it's all different. Whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, there is something special and unique about all of us uh, that enables us to do what we do like no one else in the world can do it. And if we're able to tap into that, why wouldn't we be able to monetize it? Uh, this is also me self-talking myself because I am terrified. I have always had some type of stable situation um, since graduating. I actually worked in high school and in college and in law school. So this is going to be the first time that I don't have like a steady paycheck coming in. Uh, but I believe in myself, and I want to encourage everybody listening uh, to believe in yourself, too. I don't know what your situation is, but 
I guarantee you that there is somebody listening to this who is in a situation that they don't want to be in, whether that's a job or a relationship, and they are scared to admit to themselves and to everybody else that it's not what they want. Well, guess what? You are only hurting yourself. You are the only person that has to live with the consequences of your decisions when you go home at night. Um, I am also not giving married people uh, permission to leave their marriage. That comment was actually for dating people who are thinking about marriage. So if you're married, I believe in sticking it out. Uh, granted, there are exceptions. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but yeah, if you are in a situation and you feel in your heart that it's the wrong thing or you don't feel fulfilled or you're feeling depressed, can I tell you, I um, I struggle with anxiety like so many of us do. Welcome to America. Um, I, but I, I struggle with anxiety. I actually take anxiety medication. I get like really bad anxiety, like the type where I can't move. I will lay in my bed in the dark and it feels like I can't breathe. And I'm thinking, like trying to be positive and think about like things that make me happy, but everything just feels dark. It's like a mixture. It's like a weird, anxious, like depression mixture. Um, And people, you know, they think that the opposite of depression is happiness. And I actually don't believe that. And, you know, fight with me if you want to. But when I'm feeling depressed, things that in quotes are in in quotation marks make me happy don't usually make me happy that's like part of the problem when I'm really in a space of like feeling anxious and depressed the only thing that makes me feel better is purpose like I believe the opposite of depression is purpose because as soon as I get up and do something that I feel called to I'm a writer I'm a communicator I love processing you know, difficult things with my friends, helping people find breakthroughs, helping people look in the mirror, getting clear on their values and who they are. As soon as I do something that, uh, you know, I would describe as my purpose, that depression starts to fade. And that's not to say that medication's not important because I think that it is. I'm so thankful for my medication. Um, I am thankful for my therapist. I am thankful for my doctor. All of those things are great. Uh, but they're they're not solutions to the problem. They're just management tools for me. You know, the only way that I actually get through like an anxious, depressed state is to do something that feels purposeful. So if you find yourself, you know, feel like it's it's normal for for people to have, and I don't really like the word normal, but lots of people have sad days or bad days, but if you are anything like me and you get into that state of like feeling like you can't get out of bed or you don't want to see people or just feeling like really down and overwhelmed, it could be a purpose thing. Uh, just, you know, over the past couple of months, admitting to myself that after spending all that money on law school and having student loans and passing the bar exam and, you know, going through just ridiculous experiences trying to become an attorney that it's not something I want to do anymore. I thought that I would get to this place and feel terrified, but I actually feel so free. It is so freeing to tell the truth. We set ourselves free when we tell ourselves and the people around us the truth about who we are. So that's why I started this podcast. I really hope that, you know, 
over the next however many episodes, the conversations that I have, and I have, I'm really excited about some of the guests that I have coming on my show. Um, the conversations that I have with people are going to be able to set you free. And yeah, there are a lot of podcasts out there, but there's only one me and there are things inside of me that I think you need. So here I am showing up, surrendering. Do I know how it's going to turn out? No, I don't. Um, I wish that I could tell you that I did. I've been listening to this podcast, uh, this series by Michael Todd, Crazy Faith, and he talks about how what's crazy in one season looks like faith in another season. Uh, It was crazy when Oprah quit her job, but, you know, years from now, that looks like faith when we're like, oh my gosh, if she hadn't quit her job, she wouldn't be who she is today. So it was kind of, it set me free because it was a reminder that Faith means you don't know how things are going to turn out. If you knew how it was going to turn out, it wouldn't be a leap of faith. It would just be a fact or a statistic. You'd be relying on something known. Faith requires something unknown. Um, So I am taking a leap of faith in quitting my job, in starting a podcast, in completely making a new life decision, and I am trusting that things are going to work out the way that they're meant to. And I can't really tell you right now, looking at my situation, I had a friend the other day was telling me a story about a farmer. So I love stories, y'all. Love them. Love metaphors. There's this farmer, and he had two horses. And the horses were really necessary to, you know, him collecting crops or doing whatever people do on a farm. You'd think I know, like, what people do on farms. I'm from Manassas, Virginia, and I have a lot of friends that live on farms, but I, I don't know. Uh, so whatever you do on farms, he needed the horses. The two horses ran away, and his neighbors were like, oh my gosh, what terrible, terrible fortune that the two horses you need ran away. And the farmer's like, you know, maybe it was terrible, maybe it wasn't, we'll see. So the two horses are out in the wild, like chilling, like doing what horses do. This is not how the person told me the story, but like this is my interpretation of it. Like they're like chilling and they see five other horses and they're like, oh look, horses, let's go hang out. And so they're talking to the horses and the other horses are like, yo, we hungry. And the two horses are like, you know what? I know this farmer who has a lot of food. He's really kind. Why don't you come with me and we could all get some food there? And they're like, bet. So the two horses bring their new five horse friends back to the farmer. Um, So now the farmer who had two horses now has seven. And his neighbors are like, oh my gosh, what great fortune that, you know, two horses would turn to seven. How lucky you are. And the farmer is like, yeah, you know, I might be lucky. We'll see. Who knows? Um, So the farmer has a son. The farmer's son is taking care of the horses, but the new horses haven't been broken in yet. So he's like, you know, I should really start to break these horses in so that my dad could actually use them for whatever people need horses for on a farm. So he's breaking in the horse and, you know, one of the horses, the new horses goes crazy and throws the son off his back and the son hits the ground um, and like breaks both his legs. And the neighbors, those nosy neighbors come back and they're like, oh my gosh, your son broke his legs. What terrible fortune that these horses would come. I don't know if you picked up on the point yet, but the point of the story is we don't know how our life is going to turn out or whether things are good things or bad things in the moment. It's unclear and it's okay not to know. It's okay to be messy. It's okay not to be great. Like I've never recorded a podcast before. This could be a hit podcast and I could get like 
a million viewers in Jesus' name and I could make a living out of talking, which has been my dream since I was a little kid, or I could have like two viewers or listeners, like my mom and my dad, and maybe a few of my friends because I got some loyal friends. So seven. I could have seven listeners per podcast. I have no idea. Faith means that in spite of not knowing, I feel something deep inside of me that is telling me that it's a good idea. I believe that I have something inside of me that the world needs, and I am going to do it anyway. And if I am going to have a million viewers, I can't even get there unless I have the courage to try. So that thing that you're afraid of trying, um, just do it. The worst that happens is that you fail. And who cares? So what? When you fail, you learn a lesson. It is not the worst thing in the world. I have been rejected so many times. Like I failed at so many things. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. I have an entire, actually keep like, um, I have a whole file on my, my, uh, email of rejections from like places that I've applied to and programs that I've applied to just to remind myself that I can live through it. I've been rejected by like boys. I've been rejected by like anything. I've been rejected by like freaking attendance at the grocery store you know like you're like in line and you're really tired and trying to check out and right when you put your stuff on the belt they're like oh we're not taking anything I didn't turn around like I'm leaving the store now I was rejected no rejection is part of life you will live through it but you're never going to accomplish anything meaningful in this world if you don't at least try you know one of the things (laughs) that I've um realized over the past couple of years, you know, I'm from Manassas, Virginia. I've been out in LA for about three and a half years now, is that so many people are afraid to admit what they actually want. Even here in Los Angeles, like I thought to myself, okay, leaving this small town, going to this big city of dreamers, like everybody's going to just be walking around, like talking about what they're passionate about and what they want to become. And to some extent, that's true. I feel like this city has more people with ambition than any place I've ever lived in my life. Uh, But people are still so afraid to admit to themselves what they actually want. I mean, I think a big part of that too is people not knowing what they actually want. In order to know what you actually want and what you actually desire, you have to be clear on your values and who you were called to be and your giftings and what makes you tick. Otherwise, you'll be confused and start to think that something that somebody else wants is something that you want. And I've definitely experienced that. You know, I had this vision of myself just being this boss in an office, like a corner office and making all these decisions and I was wearing red bottom shoes, which by the way are the most uncomfortable shoes ever. Um, But I was just like bossing everybody around and taking charge of this office. And I thought that that's what I wanted. You know, my mom was a career woman. I've been surrounded by career women my entire life. Um, Just like very strong career women. And it's not that I don't have the ambition. I do. But the vision that I had of myself was really visions that either people have painted for me um, or just visions that I've seen of other women on television that were, I love TV, that were strong, like Olivia Pope. And I thought to myself, huh, if I want to be strong, my journey needs to look like hers. My life needs to look like hers. But I was basing so many of my decisions 
off of other people's projected desires when the truth is half those people probably didn't even know what they wanted either. So, you know, there's an entire journey of figuring out what you actually want based upon your values and who you actually are. And then past that, actually having the courage to look at somebody and say, I want that. Because so many of us, even if if we do get to the point where we decide what we want, we're afraid to let anybody know or to admit it to ourselves. And so we think it's easier to just not want. We just stop ourselves. We say, you know what? I'm not even going to hope for that thing. I'm not going to hope for that new job. I'm not going to hope that you know, I'm able to have a child after a season of being infertile. I'm not going to hope that things are going to get better. I'm not going to hope that I ever pay off my student loans or that I do it before I'm 70 years old because it's probably just not going to happen. And when we do that, we discount ourselves. And it's so sad. Um, I was talking to my friend Angelique, who actually is one of the ones who inspired me to start this lovely podcast. And I love Disney, like I'm a huge Disney fan, but she is like a Disney magical fairy person on a whole nother level, like the embodiment of a Disney princess, if you can even imagine that. Uh, And we were talking about, you know, being afraid of this is when I go to lunch with my friends, like we tend to jump really deep into conversation right away. It's like, hey, girl, how have you been? So what are your deepest fears? What are you struggling with? How are you holding up with that insecurity you told me about last time? And that's true. I'm, I'm not being dramatic. Um, so I was having one of these conversations with Angelique and about our deepest fears and our wants. And I told her, you know, how I've realized so many people were afraid to lean into what they actually desire. And she looked at me and she was like, oh my gosh, I just had a revelation. And I was like, yes, Princess Angelique, please share with me. And she was like, what does the second song of every Disney movie have in common? And I looked at her like, I don't know. Like, I like Disney, but I don't. She's like, Yara, just try, think. And I'm like searching. You know how like someone's waiting for you to figure something out and it's like, I should give you that look like my brain's working and I'm trying to figure out what you said, but I just, I just have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm just going to like sit here and wait until you say something. So we sat there for like a good 10 seconds because she just knew I was going to be able to figure out what she was talking about. And I was so lost and I'm just, you know, have that like thinking look on my face. And finally she's like, "Ah, okay, you don't know. It's the want song. The second song of every Disney movie is the want song. And I was like, yeah, you're so right. What is that? What is the want song? And she was like, it's the song where the character in the movie is really honest with you about and with themselves about what they want, about their deepest desire. So, you know, you think about uh, The Little Mermaid and she's singing about how she wants to be on land. I want to be where the people are. That's what she wants to be where the people are. And then we think about Moana. And she's singing about how like the water is like calling her. You know, it's calling her name. And then you think about Belle. And she's singing about this like beautiful story. This love story that she, that unfolds. Where she meets Prince Charming and she gets away. But every character at Cinderella, right? She's telling us where she really wants to be. You know, she's singing about being in her own little corner. And she has this dream of all the places she's going to go. Before a hero or heroine, is it heroine? Isn't that a drug? Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Boy, girl, hero, whatever, whatever type of hero you are. Before the hero in the story 
actually begins their journey, they have to admit to themselves what they actually want. And I started to think, wow, like that is such a PG, like bubbly, but beautiful analogy for life. And how many of us haven't even, our movies and our journeys haven't even started. Like there are probably more wishes and desires and untapped dreams and potentials in the graveyard than there are any place else. Like how many of us live our entire lives and never actually start our journeys because we're afraid to admit to ourselves and to the world what we actually want and who we actually want to be. You know, people debate about, you know, when you have a desire, whether it's something you should share with the world or whether it's something you should keep inside. Um, I think both things can be true at the same time. Uh, when I was in a stage of trying to decide for, sh- for sure whether I was going to leave my job, I didn't tell everybody immediately. You know, it was something that I was considering. I spent a lot of time with myself. I was praying a lot. I was, you know, planning a lot, asking myself, what am like how what does this next stage look like? If I left, what would I even do? What am I gonna tell people? I spent a lot of time with myself before I started telling people. But once I decided that it was what I was gonna do, I told everybody. Everybody who would listen. I was very honest. I um haven't actually left my job yet, but I've been very honest with my boss um about the fact that it, that I I want to do something different and you know Obviously, I don't know who your boss is, and if you come to a similar conclusion, I can't promise you that you'll have a positive outcome if you tell the truth about who you are. I don't want to do this anymore. And they'll be like, all right, Jane, go home, go collect your stuff, and then you're going to be all up in my inbox. It's like, why'd you give me bad advice? I didn't tell you to quit your job. I was using an example that works for me because I have a great relationship with my boss. So use wisdom and do what you got to do in your situation. Uh, but I, it was so nice for me to be able to be honest um, with my boss and with my parents and with my friends about the fact that I wanted to do something different with my life. And people were so supportive. Like, of course, my mom is freaking out about me not having health insurance and asking what that's going to look like, but I'm trusting that it's going to work out. You know, like before you do anything great, you have to take a chance. You have to be willing to take a risk. And, you know, by letting people know what you actually want to do with your life, you're actually planting seeds. Every time you tell somebody what you who you want to be and what you desire, you plant a seed because who knows what person might hear you and then that thing turns into a thing and then somebody's calling you like so-and-so told me that you were looking for somebody to pay off all of your student loans. Here's $250,000. Congratulations. Hey, you know what? That may or may not happen, but if I don't even put it out into the world, it's definitely not coming back. Um, And I actually have a really cool story about that when I, you know, people ask all the time, how did you get your start in entertainment? You know, I interned at Disney and at MTV and I, um, I worked at Fox and just PBS and all these different places. My first internship was my first entertainment internship was in New York. I worked at MTV and I didn't know anybody that worked in entertainment for real. Like I'm from Manassas. My mom's a doctor. My dad's a lawyer. Everybody, we, they, they are incredibly connected, but more so in like the professional world. I didn't know like anyone living in Los Angeles. I had no logical reason to believe that some random girl from Manassas was going to get an awesome job in entertainment, especially with like 
everybody applying, like you apply to a job and it's like, oh, you need 10 years of experience and three professional references and fill out this long, 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 long application that's probably going to take you months to do and we might call you back and we're going to pay you $40,000 if you get the job post-taxes with all your degrees. And it's like, really? Like trying to get a job traditionally is almost impossible. But did I let it stop me? No. Why? Because I'm crazy. Um, So I just knew that I was going to work in entertainment. You could not tell me nothing. I applied to lots and 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 lots of jobs that I got denied from. Still wouldn't let it stop me. Um, My first year in law school, career services was freaking out because everybody had a job. We were getting close to the summer. And, you know, so as a law student, you're kind of expected to work some type of legal internship. If you're at a law firm, a lot of times the firm that you summer at, you end up working at when you graduate. So it's very important to get a good internship while in law school. So we're getting close to the summer. I think it was like, might have been like March at this point. And everybody else kind of had summer situations lined up. And career services kept sending me opportunities. And they were probably like, oh my gosh, this poor black girl, she's not going to have a job. What is she going to do? Um, we, who do we know? Who can, who can help this girl out? She needs something. And so they'd send me things and I'd be like, mm, thanks for the opportunity, but that's not really what I want to do. I want to work in entertainment and you sent me like a tax law job. So I, it's not going to work. And I kept turning everything down and I say it now, like it was easy to do. But at the time I was a mess. I felt like a crazy person. I was like, okay, something in you is telling you to hold off and to wait for an opportunity, but at the same time, girl, you ain't got no job. You can't be out here in these streets, you know, attending a top 10 law school and summering without a job. What, like, what are you doing? And I prayed about it a lot. And getting back to my main points, it's going to be really hard not to get off topic without having people on this show to stop me because I love to talk, y'all. Um, back to the story. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. The other thing that I did is I told everybody what I wanted to do. It would have been so easy for me to like go through that in secret, right? To just kind of like sit and silently wait for somebody to give me an opportunity so that I could just like come out victorious in the end. Like we want people to see the end of our journeys when we're standing at the top of our mountain, but we don't want them to know like the struggle pieces. But that's all ego. I'm telling you right now, get out your ego. If you need help, ask for it. You know, if you're in a situation, don't be afraid to let people know and be honest about where you're at. I'm not telling you to emotionally spill or to go telling strangers everything about you. Again, be wise. Like, I believe in honesty, but privacy is also a thing, and respect is also a thing, and truth and season is also a thing. Uh, But tell people what you want to do. And As I mentioned, I did not tell people until I was ready to defend myself because people will put your dreams on trial. As soon as you tell somebody that you want to do something, they put it on trial immediately. They want to tell you all the reasons why it can't happen. They want to ask you all the questions. So if you are not prepared to defend yourself, you might have somebody crush your dream and then you'd be like, well, I'm never going to do it because they said it's going to be too hard. And hey, who am I? And nah, don't share anything until you're ready to defend yourself. Um, So when people put my dreams on trial, when career services put my dreams on trial, when friends 
and not so friendly people put my dreams on trial about working in entertainment, I was ready to defend myself. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I have to offer. You don't know what the future holds for me. Okay, don't limit me. I know that I can be extra with it, but sometimes I have to go all the way in because I am not just putting, it's, it's not just about trying to prove to the other person that it's going to work. I am fighting for my own peace of mind. I'm fighting for, it's scary enough trying to do something scary without somebody reminding you that it's a scary thing all the time. And I love having people in my life that challenge me. I actually highly value people in my life that challenge me because in addition to, you know, helping me grow my faith and be able to defend what I believe in, it's also a really great barometer for what I truly am passionate about and what I really do believe in and what I am wavering in because sometimes people, you know, lay out the facts and I'm like, ooh, I actually didn't consider that. I'm, I thought I wanted that thing, but now that I'm looking at it logically, thank you for being my eyes. I don't want that thing anymore. Um, and sometimes that happens and that's okay. But sometimes I get real fiery, impassionate, and I'm ready to tell that person to put my dreams on trial. And that just, you know, it, for me, that's the best fuel. Um, so I love when people, you know, challenge me. So back to the story. <sighs> I was nervous. I didn't have anything. I was worried. Um, I actually was volunteering the day um, I got the call about my first job. I was volunteering at a second grade class. I think I went in to read to a sec group of second graders. I remember turning off my phone and thinking, the world's going to continue. Use your time wisely. It's another thing. Use the in-between time wisely. Go volunteer. Go be a good person. And things will work out the way that they're meant to. And I remember sitting in my car. I, like, cried for a few seconds because I was really stressed, y'all. I was so stressed out. I cried. I turned off my phone. And I went in to go volunteer with this class. When I came back, I had a voicemail on my phone um, from a man who I love named Vape Powell. He was a former, I think, vice president of business affairs at Viacom MTV. And he left a message on my phone. And let me tell you, I mentioned that I applied to lots of different places. I didn't apply to MTV. I didn't apply to Viacom. It actually wasn't on my list of places, entertainment places that I had applied to. I was looking for things in the D.C. area, maybe in the L.A. area. I wasn't really trying to go to New York, so I didn't apply to many places there. So I was a little confused. Like, do you have the wrong number? Because you calling me from MTV and I never put in an application there. Uh, and so, you know, I listened to the voicemail and he was like, hello, this is Vate Powell. I work at MTV. Um, somebody told me that you would be interested in a summer job here. I um, and I'm a UVA alum and I, I was part of the Black Law Students Association and I am looking for another black attorney coming out of UVA who wants to work in entertainment and is really passionate about it and doesn't have a summer job yet and someone happened to mention that you fit that exact description so I just wanted to know if you'd be interested. Can I tell you I told you I cried a little bit you know when I turned off my phone and went to volunteer I came out of that classroom and bawled. Um, needless to say, I ended up at MTV that summer. But I think, you know, looking back, it's such a cool moment because it was proof 
and it is proof that what looked so crazy at the time to myself and to everyone around me, turning down jobs, talking about working at entertainment and, you know, doing all these big things when I had no connections and no reason to believe that it was possible and had received so many rejections and refused to even consider another opportunity. That could have gone really bad. Like that could have gone really badly for me. Um, But just having that faith and getting that call from a place that I hadn't applied. You know, I think about that story all the time. Every time I'm afraid to like jump into a situation that feels crazy. I've, if there's anything I've learned over the past However many 30 years, I'm 30 years old now and proud, 30 years old and wise. And I still look 6 or 17. I have people ask me all the time, what grade are you in? Um, So I am thankful for the melanin um, and proud to be 30. But over the past 30 years, I am so thankful that I've had opportunities to actually have to sit in the waiting place in between you know, the mountaintop and the valley. My friend who, <clears throat> she's a yoga instructor, do a little exercise with me. Can okay, do a little a little breathing? I need it. I, I talk so fast. I need to breathe. So we're going to take a deep breath in. And now out. Didn't that feel good? I already feel better. I feel like I was getting in one of my, like, rants. Um, I didn't just stop for no reason. I promise you I'm not crazy. My, well, actually, it might be. I don't know. But my friend who was a yoga instructor was saying, it's so funny because we do these breathing exercises like the one I just did with you. And we, you know, take that deep breath and then we pause and then we breathe out. And we're so focused on the breathe in, breathe out part. Like there are lots of, you know, posters that say inhale, exhale. But most of the time, most of that activity is actually takes place in the in-between. It's not when you're breathing out. And it's not when you're breathing in. It's just that like holding space in the middle. And that's the uncomfortable space, especially when you don't know when the next breath is going to come. And I think a lot of times when we share our stories with people, we focus on like the low, low, low. Like I didn't know it was going to happen. I was all the time low. And then we skip the in-between and then we run to the top and we're like, but God did this awesome thing in my life. And now I'm at the top of the mountain. But it's so hard to resonate with that as a human being because your mind is like, okay, I saw the low point, see the high point, but like what happened in between? Because I don't know about your in between, but my in between is really difficult. And that's actually the part that I need the help with and the most, like how do you actually navigate those sticky situations in the middle, whether you're going through like a divorce or like breaking up with a friend or dealing with the death and the family or it's someone really close to you or infertility, whatever it is that you're dealing with, uh, the hard part is not, it's not the worst day and it's not the best day. You at least have enough emotion on those days to like sustain you and get you through the moment. Like the hard, messy parts in the middle are the parts that we often skip. Uh, So my goal with this podcast is to talk to people, everyday people, not famous people, people like you and me, about the messy parts in between you know, to tell the truth about what's really going on behind the scenes, not just the Instagram posts where we're showing people, you know, the highlight or the authentic and real but not vulnerable Instagram posts where we're telling people about, you know, look at me with no makeup or look at my low, like not the low or the high, but just the in-betweens, the part that like, 
people don't talk about and doesn't necessarily sound as exciting. But when I'm going through something, I don't want someone to just give me a start and a finish. I want somebody to walk me through the process. Process is very important to me. Like, don't tell me, you know, you caught 10 fish. That's awesome. Don't tell me you were hungry last week. That's cool. How did you do that? How did you get from being hungry to being well fed? Like, show me how you did it. So I'm really excited to bring on some really awesome guests that are going to be vulnerable about their experiences and kind of talk you through the in-betweens. My hope and prayer for this podcast is that, you know, people will come and myself included, have honest conversations that set themselves free and allowing me to set myself free, but that will also set the listeners free. Sometimes just hearing somebody else set themselves free is enough for you to be like, you know what? They not, they regular, like she regular, she, she okay, but she nothing special. If she could do it, shoot, if she could get a job at MTV by not applying, like there's no reason I can't do it. And you know what? You're right. There's no reason you can't do it. Um, I believe in you. I believe in all of us. I'm so thankful that we all have gifts that we can contribute individually and we don't have to compete with one another. Like I could be great at what I'm doing and still acknowledge that you're great at what you are doing. And I need you to be great at what you are doing, okay? Because there are a lot of things that I'm not good at. And I need to be able to turn to whoever is good and know that they're taking care of that space and not feel like I have to do everything. And vice versa, you might be incredible with directions and incredible with numbers and great at things that I'm not good at and could really use you for, but you don't know how to be vulnerable and honest and have like meaningful connection and conversation. And that's what I'm good at. So I promise you, I will continue to use my gift and hopefully that helps set people free as long as you make me the promise that whoever you are, you continue to use your gifts because the world need you. I don't just need you. The world needs you. You are here for a reason. You have purpose. If you, I will prove it to you. You woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. You didn't do that for yourself, but you had breath in your lungs, which means you're supposed to be here. So please continue, whoever you are. Use your gifts. Walk in purpose. And join me on this journey of radical honesty. Just, you know, talking about the really uncomfortable pieces of life, the insecurities, the things we're afraid to admit to ourselves and to everybody else and set yourself free. Well, until next time, thank you for joining me.